You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. Uh, but um, if you're here, um, I'm so excited uh, to, to continue on in this series um, called Relentless Grace. Um, I want to talk about the topic of blessing today. Um, and hopefully, uh, this scripture that we read and hopefully just the prayers that we'll pray together um, and hopefully receive uh, will represent just a blessing that doesn't just come from, from, a, from a human being, but from uh, the human one, the image bearer, Jesus himself. And so, um, anyways, if you have your Bibles, would you open it up uh, with me uh, to Genesis uh, chapter 27? We're actually going to read through the whole passage today. Um, and as you're doing that, I'll just kind of remind everybody, we're in a series through the book of Genesis, typically we are moving through books of the Bible left to right, if you're new here. And so uh, we believe that the, the Bible is a unified story that points to Jesus every page. If you're in that devotion, Bible recap, Bible project, whatever it is that you're doing, hopefully we're uh, not just knowing the Bible, but we're knowing God and we're knowing Jesus. And uh, Jesus stood up in the temple. He said, listen, like, I, I don't know if you went to seminary, maybe you have a fourth grade reading level, but the Holy Spirit has come to visit you in the pages of scripture uh, to point to me so that you would know me, not just know the scripture, but to know me. And so um, we've just decided to move through Genesis, and I feel like, I guess the preacher's favorite book is always the one he's in, right? So uh, it's been wrecking me in all the best of ways. It feels like I've never read it before, but we're in the life of, a J- life of Jacob. And so from January uh, through June, uh, the, the segment within the overall Genesis series is called Relentless Grace. Uh, I, I named it that because at the end of, um, at the end of Jacob's uh, journey, he, he has a late encounter with grace, uh, and uh, it wrestles him. Usually think of grace as kind of a forgiveness thing, like a get-out-of-jail-free card, like a pass, you know, a, an impersonal, um, you know, clearance of wrong. Uh, but grace is so much more than that in the Bible. Man, like, the encounter of grace uh, is not just something that is a couch to make us comfortable. It's, it's a vehicle that can change us, that wrestles us and changes us. And doesn't just happen at one event, at one youth service so long ago. It happens in the daily, weekly rhythms of our life. Man, would grace continue to wrestle us and continue to work on us until... We're changed and transformed, injured, and our name changed, the way that Jacob's story would tell us to look more and more like Jesus. Um, so I turned 37 on Monday, and uh, I'm just feeling old, guys. I did a, I did a Zumba something Apple Plus workout uh, in my living room, and, and uh, Leo was just talking trash. Uh, Graham had to point out to me as a fellow three, I think he's an Enneagram, and told me there's something called the burn bar on there, which apparently adds competition to the workout as if I need more of that you know, in my life. And it's a little red bar, and if it's not all the way to the right, it means you're slacking. You better pick up the pace. Uh, and so I feel like I have, like, a good cardio kind of build. Like, I'm a runner. I run. My dad ran, ran. My mom ran. And so I feel like maybe that's my excuse. But I was working super hard to keep that burn bar far to the right, man, because I was not going to lose to Tammy or whoever it is that's working out in California, apparently, the aggregate, you know, averages. I'm not losing to Tammy. She's not going to take me down. Not today. So my calves are hurting and so uh, and all that. Um, but um, I had a sweet conversation with my dad uh, on the phone. It was about 10 minutes. It was before um, lunch I was headed to. And he said, uh, Oliver, you know, everybody has a certain calling, a certain gift, you know. He says, uh, I think that your gift is family, and I think that your gift is church. And uh, my dad doesn't go to church, doesn't love church, uh, never took me to church. But um, he said, I think you have a gift for that. I think you're blessed in that. And my mom, she gave me this gift card. You know, I got lots of fun presents um, for my birthday. I got a whole freezer. You know, you're getting old when you're celebrating a freezer. Uh, I got a freezer in my garage now, guys, and uh, it's full of just Trader Joe's uh, steaks and crab legs and all that stuff. So, man, I'm blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. Tammy's not going to get me down. 
So uh, it's my mom's birthday card. Um, she's a great birthday card giver. She, she reads them and underlines the words, writes little notes. She, uh, she used to, every, every, every lunch, never miss, she always put uh, celery sticks, and she wrote, love you, love you son, You're, I'm proud of you, and she'd write mom, you know, at the, at the end of it. And uh, that was every, every day. But she, the card, I just want to read to you, it says, for my son, for every year you've been in the world, I've wished you happiness. And for every difficulty that's come your way, I've wished you a new strength. And for every success you've earned, I wished you true satisfaction. Oliver, and she dated it, 1-4-2021, just for me to look back on. And for every birthday you celebrate, I, I keep wishing you the deep knowledge that you are much loved. Um, yeah, here's to a great year, she says, love mom. So I'm still getting these cards. Um, what is it about the mom and dad's blessing that we want so badly at 37? Um, we want mom and dad to affirm us. We want mom and dad to believe in us. We need mom and dad to tell us when we are and when we've become a man and when we are and have become a woman. And anatomically, that's not enough. You need your, your dad to look you in the eye and say, I believe in you. Like, you've got what it takes. I've been where you are before, and I've been further than that, and I know you're going the right way, and you have, you have what it takes. Like, and maybe it's not even just, just, just our dads. You know, it's like a village to raise the child kind of thing. Like, we need a couple others, you know, uncles and aunts, a few coaches along the way to look at you and say, like, look, like, I know that you look up to me, but I was you one day, and I know that you can be where I am. I mean, it's like, that's what we need. I mean, we absolutely need it. Um, we know what it feels like to not have it. And uh, in some ways, I think we all leave our homes and some of us are missing parts of that blessing. You know, we either didn't have, have the dad or the dad wasn't around or the mom was too busy or too, too worried and they didn't have a blessing to give us. We didn't have the blessing. So we end up needing it, you know. I remember um, sitting with uh, a young guy one time in youth group, and we were doing a mentoring time, you know, in, in Starbucks, and he just kept talking and talking and talking. And uh, I realized about halfway through, this is early on in, in ministry, because I realized that all these Starbucks, they're all the same when you go to Starbucks at 4 o'clock with somebody. Like, he's not really looking for a mentor for direction. He's looking for a blessing. He wants you to tell him that he has what it takes, that I see you, you know, I believe in you, like the Lord loves you, you know. So you have a blessing, you know, and, and were you blessed by your parents? Were they able to bless you? Some of our parents were addicted. Some of our parents weren't around. We weren't really sure we wanted their blessing. And that's why we were so hungry to get out to youth group to go get a blessing, to go to the basketball team to get a blessing, that somebody could look at us and say, I believe in you, and you have what it takes, and I forgive you, and you're enough. Like, that's what we needed. And, of course, the most important question that I'd want to ask you today, even as we look into the pages of the Scripture, like, do you have the Father's blessing? Do you... Do you have the blessing of Jesus' baptism that the Holy Spirit fell and the voice from heaven cried out, this is my, my beloved son? Is that the blessing that, that you received in Christ? Is that the blessing that you know and walk in? That's the blessing. That's the one blessing that we need. We'll always have a hole in our heart from our parents to some degree, but most importantly, from our Father in heaven. He's not like our earthly fathers, and he gives us a blessing. Do you have his blessing today? Do you walk in the blessing? Do you know that your Father is well pleased with you in, in Jesus Christ? He sees you only as he saw Jesus, and he blesses you. Do you have that blessing? Do you walk in that way? Does your posture reflect that? If you inventoried the way you gave and talked and received, does it seem like you are inheriting that blessing or somebody else's? So uh, Genesis, um, just as a recap from the last week's story, we're meeting these two rascal sons, Jacob and Esau. They're born at the same time. And uh, I tried to infer to you, you know, that the chosenness of Jacob doesn't mean the unchosenness of Esau. Um, 
in the world, we think that uh, blessing means better. Oh, I'm smart because I'm, you know, I'm better and I went to school and they should have gone to school and I, you know, they should have just chosen to be born in America or whatever. You know, like we, we have this sense of arrogance that the things that we have are entitled to us and they were given to us because we did better. But chosenness in the Bible always means blessed to be a blessing. Like everything that I have isn't to prove that I'm, it's not a badge, it's a blessing. It was given to me. And what else can I do if something's been given to me than give it away? And also the encouragement, Jesus would say that if you're poor and recognize it, if you're sick and you know it, if you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, you're blessed because if you have less and you aren't feeling blessed, you're actually in a great spot because you're really easy to bless when you feel poor. And so that's the economy of Jesus. It's not fairness. The economy of the world is fairness. Everybody should get the same thing. And if I didn't get what I should have gotten, then Jesus isn't fair. But he's not going for fairness. He's going for blessing. He's going for family. In family, the, the, the what? The rich give to the poor. The strong serve the needy. That if you're high, then go low. And if you're low, be ready to be lifted up high. Those that are humbled will be exalted. This is the economy of heaven. It's not fairness, but, but blessing. And so we begin with, a, with that, the earthly kind of family of, of wrestling. And I don't have a blessing. And I'm going to go take my blessing. Go get my blessing. Get my blessing and steal it and trade it and barter it for lentil stew and so forth. And, and so like I, I kind of made a joke last time. You know, some of us, we sin like rock stars and some of us sin like politicians. But we're all sinners, and we all need to get wrestled, and all of us need a new name. And that's what grace begins with, these, 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 um, these chosen people that have nothing else to do, uh, nothing else to, to earn or have merit or favor for other than God chose them because he chose them, because he's kind. So we pick up on the story in Genesis 27. It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak, he could no longer see, he called to Esau, his older son. That's the Chewbacca one. Esau's the hairy one. He's the rock star. He has a leather jacket. He just peels out. He loves to drive fast on Woodruff Road. He's got problems. He's got those kind of problems. He says, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and I, uh, and I know the day of my death. Now then, he says, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me so that I may give you a blessing before I die. Uh, the Bible's trying to talk to you a little bit about Isaac's eyes. He can't see in his old age. He's blind uh, physically, but then even spiritually, you'll see, more importantly, he's blind spiritually as well. Uh, The Bible says that we're not just seeing with our our optics, we're seeing with our heart. The pure in heart see see God. So when your heart is clouded with idols, you can't see see straight. What should be high is low and what's what's low is high, and, and we're all upside down. When we have idols, we can't see anything the right way. When we go off to look for cars and you're excited about to get that new Honda Pilot, you can't see any other car because you're looking for what you want to find. Your eyes aren't showing you what's out there. Your eyes are showing you what you are looking for. That's what idols will do for you. They'll completely distort your entire vision. And so, uh, so Isaac's, Isaac's a deceiver, and he's deceived himself, and, and he's, he's blinded himself with some of these idols. It says in earlier passages that Isaac loved Esau, but didn't say anything about Jacob. It says the same thing about Rebekah. Rebekah loved Jacob. And so you had favorites within the family because of the idolatry. You'd almost kind of think that Isaac liked the musky, manly smell of Esau. He's, he plays football, and he's a star athlete, and he's strong and tough and masculine. And so there was a bit of an idol there. And so he chose, chose Jacob and has this kind of secret blessing that he has in his bedside. I don't know if your father ever had a, um, a faraway look in his eye, and his, his, his voice would kind of slow down, and he'd kind of talk about the good old glory days. Boy, I remember Remember, remember Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite? He said, boy, Coach wouldn't have taken me out. We would have gone state, no doubt in my mind. 
don't know, like what your dad, my dad talked about Bruce Lee, you know, like back in the day. I probably talk about Stephen Curry or something. <laughs> Boy, I've been soaking it up in the, in the hot tub with my soulmate. You know, like you probably know, like when your dad began to dream, you know, what was in his dream. And what was in his dream was where you started to head because you realized you needed your blessing from your dad. So, so you would not only learn to worship the idol your dad would worship, but you'd want to become the idol your dad would worship because maybe if I got in the path of his idol, maybe I would get the blessing. And I'd wear any mask that I could or put on any outfit that I could and dance the dance and talk the talk so that maybe I would intercept the blessing because I wasn't blessed. I needed to get in the path of my dad's idol to get blessed. And so he says, come on, come on, Esau. You know, you do, you do the thing that, you know, that, I, that I like. You remember, I mean, it almost kind of whispers to you a little bit. Remember, his brother was Ishmael. Isaac was the promised son. Abraham was his dad in the family tree. And it said Ishmael was a manly man. Ishmael maybe was the, the one with the bow, right? His brother, that he was the one that was blessed. But it's funny, even blessed people get jealous of the grass on the other side of the fence. So he's maybe living out the, the dream that he never got from his father. And he's saying, oh, even my son, my son is the Ishmael that I could never have. My son is the, you know, whatever it is, the, the idol that I want. So he calls him to the bedside and he has this kind of secret blessing, which was not the way, that's the way the Canaanites did it. That's not the way the Israelites, the Israelites would have pulled the whole family together. It would have been according to what God had already called, that Jacob was the chosen one. He was the second born and God had already chosen Jacob and Isaac knew that. Why is it secret? Why is it quiet? Why is it by the bedside? He, he is interfering with the blessing. He, he is not obeying the Lord. So verse five, it says, now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Now, now the problem with Isaac is his eyes. He's blind, but you're gonna see, you're gonna see the language here goes to the ears. It says Rebekah doesn't listen well. And she talks, she's just talking. And, and, and she's telling her kids to listen to her and not to the Lord because she's not listening to the Lord. So she's listening to her family and she's listening to her husband and she's listening to herself, but she's not listening to God. And so there's, there's these two, there's this problem within this family. They're not seeing him and they're not listening to him. It says, now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. And when Esau left for open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully. Do as I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Uh, anybody here still, still listening to, to mama? Don't raise your hand if you're a mama's boy. And uh, you're just like Forrest Gump and you just always quick to call mom. What's mama got to say about that? I got to check in on, on mama. The second question would be, don't raise your hand. How many of you guys either know of a guy or are married to a guy that's always calling mama? And mama's still talking and they're still listening to mama. And they, mama always says, and mama says this, and mama says that. This guy's 40 years old. He's 40. He's still calling mama, still listening to mama. He's 40 years old. And Rebecca has her idols too. Uh, uh, Isaac is, is the worshiper of the ideal masculinity, you know, like the strong, tough, you know, rugged, manly man. And Rebecca is, is battling with him in her home over a different kind of an image of a man, a sensitive man, a more companion-oriented man, a softer man who does his own laundry and, you know, makes his own food and so forth. And and so she, she's contending for that sibling, and she, she's trying to get that sibling blessed. And so, 
from the beginning of time, Genesis says, you know, that the man's toil, labor is toil and, and the worry of work and am I going to excel at work and am I going to succeed? Am I going to be a failure? Can I provide for my family? Like that's the haunting image of the man. It says the woman desires the husband and the husband will rule over her. And so the childbearing is, is anxious to her and will I find a man and will I be married and can I have a baby and so forth. These are the types of things that, that worry the wife. And so, and so uh, Jacob, the deceiver, his name means deceiver. He, he's learning from both sides of his family to deceive. Deception is not just, did you lie on your taxes? Did you have a Ponzi scheme? Deception is not just on the lips, it's in the heart. And deception has to do with being somebody that you're not. And so, so, so Rebecca doesn't really trust the Lord, is not fearing the Lord, and doesn't really even trust her husband. And I think we've probably grown up with moms that basically don't trust that their husband knows what to do with his blessing. And is trying to tell, you know, the husband and the father how to bless the kids because she doesn't trust that the father is competent enough because he's asleep on his recliner and he's buried in his phone and he's buried in his work. And so the mom's got to make up for that and excuse what the father is doing and protect the kids from the father. And the kid sees all this. The kid sees the mom spinning to try and get the blessing and sees the father passive, asleep at the wheel, not giving the blessing or giving the blessing according to his Uncle Rico dream and promise. And the kid is left in the middle, divided in his own home, only left to figure out which side he's going to be a deceiver for. This is where Isaac finds himself. And so just a quick pause uh, here as we consider, you know, just this parenting idea and and where we are, if we're parents or brothers or sisters or leaders or whatever else. Um, Our idols will lead to deception for the people that we try to bless. And uh, people will run into the path of our idols. We don't have to teach our kids to worship our idols. We just worship our idols in front of our kids and they'll, they'll follow. They'll do whatever it takes to dance to dance to talk to talk to get in the middle of us and our blessing. But when we talk in that low, slow Uncle Rico voice, we're teaching them where to go. And so um, this is what the redeemed uh, vision for uh, parenting and, and, and household look like. I thought of Proverbs 31, the wife of noble character says her children will be blessed. This is what Proverbs 31 says about the wise mom or the wise wife or the wise sister. It says the charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Um, ultimately, uh, the, the mistrust of, 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 of Rebecca towards Isaac is ultimately just a mistrust of the Lord. She doesn't believe that the Lord will build her marriage up. She doesn't believe that her, the Lord will lead her husband to bless her kids. And so she's taking the kids back from her husband and she's taking the kids back from the Lord. And wives in the room, you, you'll see your, your husband's idols clearer and quicker than anybody else. But that doesn't necessarily make your role to be the Holy Spirit in that situation, right? So it's not just to be able to identify the idols in your husband's eyes. And I know that it's painful and fearful to imagine your kids blessed by an idol or unblessed because of an idol. But nobody can save households but Jesus, Nobody can, can mentor men except for Jesus. The only one that can actually give a blessing is Jesus. And so Proverbs 31 will tell you, as, as women, as sisters, as we, as we raise up godly households, fear the Lord. It won't be from charm, and it won't be from cunning, and it won't be from strategy. It'll be from praying. It'll be from trusting God with precious things in your life, including your kids, including your marriage. And husbands, um, we are not leading men by, you know, uh, being tougher than we really are and faking it till we make it. And we certainly aren't leading our sons by uh, projecting our idols upon them 
But Matthew 5, 8 would say, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they see God. The best thing that we can do as men in our household is worship Jesus and be in our face, on our face before Jesus and trusting him to raise kids and bless marriages. He's the only one that has the blessing in the first place. All right, moving on. So verse 11 says, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. While I have smooth skin, this is a, this is a funny line to me. I don't know if it, if it tickles you, but listen, it says, verse 12, my brother's Chewbacca. Verse 12, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him. The answer is, you most certainly are. You most certainly will not just be appearing to be tricking him. You certainly are tricking him. And uh, would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me and do what I say. Go and get them from me. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Dumb and Dumber. It's like one of the saddest scenes when uh, Petey, the little parakeet, gets his head chopped off or whatever. And uh, Lloyd thinks it's because they didn't pay the gas bill. He goes, do you realize what you've done? You know, meanwhile, they had the briefcase of a million dollars and those gangs, gangsters are after him. And so uh, on the way out, they needed to make some extra spending cash, you know, for the essentials, you know, for the pork grinds or whatever. And so Lloyd, which is uh, Jim Carrey, duct tapes or scotch tapes, the bird's head back on its, you know, thing. This is getting too much on Sunday. I could tell some of y'all are ready to leave, but um, you don't need a chapter and a verse to tell people not to lie to blind people. It's wrong, okay? Like if you don't need a, a verse, is this deceptive to lie to a blind Yes, it is. Yes. If you are ever in a position, you know, oh, oh, wise one, disciple of Jesus, don't lie to blind people. Maybe that's your sermon in a sentence right there. Okay. Uh, but Jacob, Jacob, Jacob is, is being raised in deception. We, his father is deceiving in a way, calling a secret meeting for the blessing. His mother is deceiving. She is protecting her husband from the, the or protecting her kids from the husband, honoring her, honoring the husband with her lips, but her heart is far from him and far from his blessing and finding blessing in idols in other places, right? And so the house is divided. What else can a young man or woman do growing up in a house divided but be a deceiver? He's been taught deception all his life. It doesn't matter what you're preaching. It doesn't matter if you say in Jesus' name after the prayer. If your heart is said to be with your husband, but it's really with your mother, it's deception. It's not about Ponzi schemes, right? It's about, it's about the heart. It's about a united heart that fears the Lord or a divided heart that fears everything else. And any heart that is not fearing of the Lord is raising deception rather than discipleship. And so discipling home is not a perfect home. It's not a manly home or a feminine home. It's a Jesus home. And it calls out sin readily. It is a grace and truth place. And how do we get to these cold, can't hear anybody talking because the dishes are all clanking at Thanksgiving because nobody's talking? It's real simple, blame and projection. I want my blessing. I'm going to go and take it. You took it from me, so I'm going to blame and project. There's no repentance and belief. There's no gospel and kingdom. There's no forgiveness. It's projection and blame. And years and years of projection and blame will add to deception, not discipleship. And we can say in Jesus' name for as long as we want, but it will be deception and it will not be discipleship. It doesn't have grace and truth. The best thing that we could do for our kids is just say, that action that I just did just there, that was not Jesus. That thing that I said just now, that was not Jesus. To apologize quickly, to repent and believe quickly. If you're the leader in the home, if you're the husband, then repent, believe quickly. Be the greatest servant and the biggest sinner, sinner and confess early. Because it's not the, not, not the choice between perfection or not perfection. It's the choice between faking my perfection or trusting his perfection. And the house that is built up in idols and deception and, and blame and projection will lead to deception. It will lead to deceivers in your household. It will not be disciples. It will be deceivers. And we think that we will avoid our parents' sin because it was easy from the outside in to see the plank rather than the speck. But we got a plank too. And we think that just because we don't wear khakis or don't do whatever on Sunday and we don't sing this hymn song or we don't do that because all of a sudden we're not a legalist. It's a lot harder to do than just to point at our parents to say we're not legalists. We're legalists too. 
And we're born deceivers, and we're born with masks. And we grew up in households where there was deception, not discipleship, and not grace and truth. It takes a lot of boldness and a lot of courage to go to, on your face before the Lord and trust precious things like your marriage and your kids and your friends and your neighbors to Jesus instead of taking control by yourself. And we will always raise deceivers instead of disciples if we don't have grace and truth, if we can't say, it's not me, it's him. And I don't have the blessing, he does. So I beg and plead and intercede that you would find his blessing and not mine. This is the good news of the gospel. Your parents don't actually have the blessing. Only he does. Rebecca doesn't have the blessing. She never had it. She never could fully walk in it or give it away because she never fully contended with it or received it because God was the one that had the blessing in the first place. And so they can't take it from you. Your parents can't take it from you. Your siblings can't take the blessing from you because only Jesus gives the blessing. And your parents, they need to get left off the hook anyways. If they let you down or if they walked out on you, they only gave you what they had. They couldn't give away what they didn't have. And so they didn't have what you needed because you just needed Jesus. And so either, they parent, either God parents you through your parents or parents around your parents. But you're going to get parented and God will raise you up and God is the father ultimately and ultimately every man, woman, and child needs to hear the gospel that Jesus was treated like you so you could be treated like him and he only sees you as pleased and proud. That's the Father's blessing. I hope that you receive it. I hope that you receive it every day. And I hope for goodness sakes that as we raise our kids that we raise it in that blessing and not our own. Look at this. He says, he went on and, uh, and got them and brought them to his mother. This is the, all the materials that he needs to receive his father. And she prepares some tasty food just the way his father liked it. And then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her brother's, her older son. Man, if this isn't just a picture of every household that I ever grew up in or every neighbor or every sleepover that I've ever been to, every friend and every human being that's ever had a family, if this is not the spiritual picture of what goes on in our living rooms every day. She says, he goes and gets all this stuff. He gets all the tasty food. And he went to his father and he says, my father. And he says, yes, my son. He answered, he says, who is it? And Jacob says to his father, I'm Esau. This is Jacob. He says, I'm Esau. He's, it's, 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 it's the younger brother putting on a costume to pretend like he's someone else to get the blessing from the father. Have you ever seen this before? Is this not a rerun of American history? Like every kid in America dressing themselves up, putting on some other cologne to try and be somebody else to get a blessing from their father. Is, is this not the picture of every person in this room, right? He says, it's Esau. He's got to change his name to get a blessing in his own household. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of this game so that you may give me a blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find me so quickly, son? He knows how to, he knows how to spin, spin a story, spin a sentence. Oh, I did it in Jesus' name. Look, he says, the Lord your God gave me success. We put in Jesus' name at the end of it as though deception is now discipleship just because of the rhetoric of Jesus around it. No, it's deception. When you say you forgave somebody, but you didn't, that's deception. When you say you're okay, but you're not, that's just, when you say you trust somebody and you don't really trust them, that's deception. The first person you deceive is yourself and you'll deceive everyone else from then on. And there is no discipleship in deception. And there's no blessing in deception. And anyone faking anything to go ahead and get a blessing that they need to go and get, they feel that they don't already have, is deception, and it will not last long. So Isaac says to his son, how did you find me so quickly? Here's the lie. The Lord said, God gave me success. God gave me this thing. He's about to bless me because God gave it to me. No, no, he didn't. You dressed up for it. And you made it happen. And you forced it with your will. And you smiled when you didn't want to smile. And and, and said that you forgave people, but you didn't really forgive them. You danced the dance. That's not God. That's not Jesus. That's deception. He says, but it's in Jesus' name, so it counts, right? Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near to me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son or not. Jacob went close to his father, touched him, and said, strange. The voice is Jacob, but the hands are like Esau. Even the people closest to you, it's strange. 
like I'm blessing you, but I can sense you're not really you. I can sense there isn't authenticity in your touch, in your voice. I can sense it's not really you. And you're the last person to know that you're not really you. I mean, everybody can feel it when you're not really you, even if they don't know you. And you can't walk in a blessing that wasn't yours. You're supposed to walk in your blessing, not your brother's blessing. But nonetheless, it pulled him. So he dressed up like Esau, and he tried to talk like Esau, and he tried to smell like Esau. In verse 23, he did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son? He says, I am. Yeah. And so this is the picture of, of the brothers, you know, contending for the blessing, trying to be somebody that they're not. Have you ever done that before? I... Uh, I've been looking at a picture this week. My mom gave me some uh, family photos of our family. It's just another blessing, another awesome thing. And I was looking at a picture of me and Kyra, and I'm just um, super happy, you know, like um, love, love the place I'm at. I, I love our church, and um, I love the story that me and Kyra have. I love the picture. It tells a lot of sweet memories and a lot of things, you know. But I told you last week, you know, some of us sin like, like politicians, and some of us sin... They're smooth sinners, you know. Some of us sin like Chewbacca and some of us sin like, like, a, like a smooth criminal is what Michael Jackson says. And I'm the smooth one, you know. And, um, I, you know, I got called into ministry early. And when you're called into ministry, like, you have an ambition and there's reason to, to walk with the Lord and do well, you know. Like, you can't walk without integrity in ministry. But I'm starting to learn at 37 there's a difference between your reputation and the blessing. And I don't have hidden sins in my life. Like, stuff's going well. It's, it's fine. But I also kind of wonder if I really encounter grace on a daily basis sometimes. And I think about the different times, you know, whether it be in youth ministry or Sunday mornings like this or wherever else where it's like, he can't bless fake, you know? And if it comes down to be your reputation or his grace, I think the years will teach you that his grace is way better than your reputation is. It's way more meaningful to just be you and to be blessed as you and not somebody that somebody else wants you to be. And so, you know, the demographic in the room and so forth, like we're probably all a little more like Jacob than Esau. I mean, maybe some of us were out there doing crazy stuff, but hopefully we're past that. You can go through a really great life with a really great reputation and never taste grace because you're always trying to smell like somebody else. And you always believe that your blessing is somewhere else. And you're always thinking it's in a catalog or in some Instagram picture that somebody else has got a blessing, so I'll just go get in the line of that idol. And if I could walk in the path of that idol that everybody's liking, then I'll get the blessing that I'm looking for. And we miss the fact that Jesus tells you, you are blessed. He told the other son, don't you know that I've always been with you and everything I have is yours? Don't you know that you're my beloved son? You didn't have to be a slave. You made yourself a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter. And you're blessed as you are. Your parents didn't have the blessing. And if they didn't give you a blessing, it's because they never had one in the first place. And so either they're gonna, he's going to parent you through your parents or sometimes he's got a parent around you and in the neighborhood church and in mentors and many other ways that God graces us. But he will bless you and he will wrestle you until you are blessed and until you are blessed as you and not as your brother or your sister or that celebrity or whoever else it is, but to be blessed at the core of your being. We'd rather have his grace than our reputation. So it closes up verse 25. He says, my son, bring me some game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father, just, uh, Isaac said to him, come here, my son. He says, kiss me. Kiss of betrayal, the kiss of Judas. That's what he kisses him with. Verse 27, 
So we went to him and kissed him, and then Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, and he blessed him. He caught the smell of, of that idol. It's not even Esau that Jacob loves. It's the idea of Esau. That's why we could never really perform up into the idol, because it wasn't really a person. It was an idea. And that's why your parents were hot and cold, because you really couldn't live up under that idea, because they didn't have the blessing, and they couldn't give you the blessing in the first place. But nonetheless, what you see is a mixture of a Canaanite and a Yahweh blessing. It's a mingled blessing that you and I receive from our parents, right? It's half of it's from Jesus, but we've got to spend the rest of our life trying to figure out which half of it wasn't him in the first place. That's the tough part, right? Some of us don't even have parents and don't have fathers, and so we don't have a blessing to really work through. But most of us, we have some type of a father, and they gave us a mingled blessing. They gave us something that smelled a little bit like Jesus, but then also smelled a little bit like Clemson football. And we got to work through. we got to work through that. Because we don't want to pass down a blessing that doesn't come from heaven, that comes from human hands and not from heaven. We want to give the Jesus blessing. And so there's a lot of work here to be done. There's a mingled blessing you and I have. And, it's, and, and we cannot afford to pass down American masculinity in the place of Jesus masculinity. Because any Jesus plus blessing is a curse. Jesus plus nothing is the blessing. That's the blessing. And you're working through that your generational curse will be broken is figuring out the difference between your father's blessing and his. And understanding like anything you add to Jesus' blessing becomes a curse. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Ah, the smell of my son, like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the heaven's dew and the earth's richness and abundant grain and new wine. I mean, it sounds cool, but it's totally unbiblical. Uh, and that's oftentimes how our father's blessings are. We have to be able to disseminate between these two things. Sounds good. Sounds like a poem. Not from heaven. Verse 29. But nations serve you. Now we're getting warmer. Now we see it. Our father is a mixed bag. He's dirt and spirit. He is dust and spirit, dust and breath. And our father, in everything that he was trying to do, is trying to bless you. And there's a blessing down there. Just because your parent is an unbeliever doesn't mean that Jesus isn't using a blessing. Just because he's not an unbeliever doesn't mean you need to honor him. There's an honor there, and there's a blessing, right? Honor your mother and father and be blessed in the land. There's a blessing from honoring your parents, honoring unbelievers, honoring authorities that are not Christian. If we are not able to bless Pharaoh and bless Abimelech and bless Phicol, we are missing some of the reason why we're here. We are, we are in the world, not of the world, and we are not escaping this world. And so we do need to learn how to bless our authorities, even when they're mixed bags. Because in that, that father is his blessing. So that's the thing. You can't just throw out every authority just because you had a bad one. You have to mingle through that thing and find where is the Jesus. Where, like, like, because ultimately, they can't take anything away from you. So when you submit to them, you're not really submitting to them. You're submitting to him. You're not trusting them. You're trusting him. And the blessing flows through and despite sometimes our authorities, godly and ungodly. And so where is that mingled blessing, right? And so this is what he says. May the nations, this is the Abrahamic blessing. May the nations serve you and may people bow down to you and be, uh, and, and be Lord over brothers. And may the sons of your mothers bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you to, will be blessed. That's the, that's the Abraham calling. That's the blessing that, that, that Jacob needed to hear. That's what we needed to hear, that, that Jesus came as the one and only son, the one that could lead us to the Father. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't know Jesus and you don't know that blessing, um, you're not from this place. And there is an aching in your soul that wants a blessing that your father, your lowercase father, can't give you. It can only come from your earthly father. If you don't have that blessing today, I want to tell you that the only way to receive that blessing is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You're going to be hungry and, 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 and lonely and um, have, a, have a heartache until you're able to find that peace with God that only Jesus can bring through justification in Christ. And so even right now, I just, I'm going to pray over this room. I bless you right now in Jesus' name for those that are following Jesus and have received an earthly um, 
adoption into his family. We thank you, Lord, that that's a miracle. But if there's any person in this room that still is aching and longing for a father's blessing, that seemingly their earthly father, parents, coaches, and authorities in this, in this, in this world can't offer, I encourage you to pray with me now. Lord Jesus, I ask for you to come into my life, forgive my sins, Lord, and lead me to your father. Your father is good. Your father has a table. Your father, your father waits for you at the road to hug you and kiss you and to be, be restored to you. And he is the only one that has blessing. And so we thank you, Lord, that you're sealing that thing in the Holy Spirit and you're offering us an adoption and inheritance we can never lose in our heavenly father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Here's the last verse. I promise you, I'm almost done. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud, bitter cry and said, Father, bless me too. Father, bless me too. Esau found out he was deceived. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, it's, uh, isn't it right that his name is Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. And then he asked, haven't you reserved a blessing for me? Do you know there's a difference between remorse and repentance? There's, there's a way to have tears in your eyes and hardness in your heart. He's not, sad. He's not sorry for, for, for his sin. He's sorry for getting caught. He's sorry he got out sinned. Because he deceived too, and he, he lied at the bedside too, and he gave up his birthright, and he despised it in the first place. So, so there's a difference between uh, remorse, right, and repentance. This is what Hebrews 12 tells us about, tells us about Esau. Verse 15, uh, Hebrews 12, See to it that no one falls short of grace. The grace that wrestles you, don't fall short of that. The God, uh, that God has no bitter root that grows up to cause you to uh, trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless. Listen, like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, he said, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. It's not saying that you can go so far that it's too late to turn. It's, it's you can harden your heart so bad that you don't want to turn. That you're so indignant and arrogant and victimized and, and you're so angry at somebody else that has your blessing or took your blessing that you're not able to see the blessing right in front of you, right? So Hebrews is saying, don't go that path. Don't go the, the path of Esau. It's a cautionary tale. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Yeah, and so, um, and so yeah, I think the story can, can absolutely hit us on either side of that fence. If we were in Esau, if we're in Jacob, um, that today is the time to turn. And today, if we, have, if we have given up our inheritance for something less, that we would turn and we would do it quickly and fervently and early and often. And so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll close with this. This is the intentional question. If you're joining us here, we... we we do life together. We want to follow Jesus together. We can't follow Jesus alone. And so whether it's with a spouse or a prayer partner or somebody that's in your city group, consider this question. Last week, I asked you, how are you wrestling with grace? And this week, I want to ask you this question. How is it that you might be running from grace? How might you be running away from grace? We close the story up and, and Rebecca is still blaming and projecting. She's still angry at the Hittite women and how Esau is going to marry a Hittite woman. And it's not her son's fault and it's not her fault that she led him in deception. It's the wife's fault. She mar he married the wrong girl and the Hittite woman and so forth. And so she's not repenting and believing. She's rejecting and, and projecting. And, and Esau continues to wrestle with his inheritance. And, and so it is that, that you and I um, do as well. And so, and so ultimately, there's, there's something better than our reputation at stake. There's, there's his blessing. There's grace. And grace can fix everything, but it can't fix fake. And it can't fix deception. And when we're wearing a mask, we can't carry the blessing. And we can't carry, we can't carry the inheritance. And so, and so the, the message of grace that meets us is, man, it's more than just a, an altar call. And it's more than some tears at a, at a youth camp. It's an ongoing process of wrestling match with grace. And listen, it has a ton of pain to it. And the reason why you're drinking is because you don't want to deal with the pain. But blessing has the pain. The pain and the blessing go together. Because the blessing needs to heal you. And it needs to have a surgery on you. 
And the reason why you're trying to be somebody else because you don't want the pain of rejection. But rejection plus his blessing is better than fakeness without it. And being really in who you are, to be called by your name, the name that he called you, and the name that he's giving you even now is, is better than any song and dance that you could ever, that you could ever jump for. And any dream that your parents ever sold you would be well worth giving up to receive his blessing and inheritance. Everything I have is yours, and don't you know I'm always with you? Don't you know? Don't you know that I have always been with you and everything I have is yours? Don't you know that your parents never had the blessing to give or take away? It was always me. Don't you know that blessed are the poor in spirit? Blessed are the meek? Blessed are the hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Blessed are those that are persecuted and people that say all sorts of mean and ugly things about you? Don't you know it's better to be blessed with Jesus than blessed in any other place? And so if we would just trust, trust that he has come to bless us and stop our running and stop our projecting, and repent and believe, we would, we would find what we'd always been looking for at the table, the table of, of the Father that Jesus bought for us. I invite you to stand, and I'm going to have Tom come forward. We're going to celebrate communion, the bread and the cup. It's just the center of why we, why we gather, that Jesus was treated like us so we could be treated like him and know a Father that loves us and blesses us always. But let me just speak a blessing over you and our church that's gathered today and those that are um, on YouTube. Man, I bless you with the love of the Father this morning, that he is always with you and everything he has is yours. You have always had what you needed in Jesus and he gave it to you freely. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time to remember the bread and the cup. We thank you for um, an opportunity not to have to fight and dance for something that's already ours. And so we thank you for the inheritance. We thank you for the blessing that rests on this place because of your son, Jesus. It's precious to us and we hold it, and we steward it, and we celebrate it, and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.